Sonic Microphone on. Welcome to the Pod Doctors on the Fangirl Zone, a podcast on the BBC series Doctor Who. I'm Steve. And I'm Sean Fangirl S. And tonight we'll be discussing series 13, episode 4 of Doctor Who. This is so weird. This was weird. It was just... Yeah. (laughs) That's like all I can say because there was so much happening and I was starting to get confused. And there was moments that I'm like, wait, is that a ship? What is this? And then having that additional kind of storyline outside of our usual Doctor group. I'm like, okay, this is like two totally different things happening. So it's starting to... I feel like it's starting to come together a little bit, but... I know you were a little bit more confused, I think, than I was. Or not confused, but just perplexed. Is that the word? Right, yeah. Well, this definitely is going to lead to the Doctor's origin story. There's no doubt in my mind now. now yeah. We may be like, repeating the past again as well. We may end this series on time doing battle with Swarm and Azul again. I swear I'm going to need some Excedrin by the time we're done. Oh, and no a flow doubt. chart. <laughs> <laughs> no doubt. I have a feeling a headache and a flow chart is what's going to be needed. That's for sure. And I look around my office and I will tell you, I have my Doctor Who stuff and I have to my right, my little David Tennant picture here. Right. And I'm like, you know, who would have thought it was so much simpler back with David Tennant? <laughs> because some of that got a little crazy. But this one is like, whoa. Got me like all over the place. But now that we've gotten that out of the way, why don't we jump in? You got some ratings. Yes. Episode four brought in a 0.06 in adults 18 to 49 with 0.318 million viewers, making it the 74th rated cable show for the day. I don't know what people were doing, but they missed one hell of an episode. Unfortunately, I was one of those people. You know, I got to get it together. I thought it was coming on at one time, and when I turned the TV on, it was, no, you've already missed an hour of it, dumb. Yeah, that's pretty much what it is. I sat down, I'm like, okay, let me watch this. I'm like, okay, why can't I get this in my head at the right time? Right. (laughs) (laughs) But let's talk about Village of Angels, shall we? Do it. Devon, November 1967. A little girl has gone missing. Professor Jericho is conducting psychic experiments. And in the graveyard, there is one gravestone too many. Why is Metterton known as the Cursed Village? And what do the Weeping Angels actually want? It sounds like this should have been a Halloween episode. Oh, absolutely. (laughs) (laughs) There was just so much craziness going on. I absolutely adored it, though. Oh, yeah. This 
might be Chibnall's best episode under his stewardship. I felt like we had a lot of stuff that happened previously come into play. So it's like, okay, again, pulling threads, pulling threads. Right. Like, are we going to get this huge tapestry or are we going to be like, what is this mess? Right. Well, we open with Professor Jericho, played by Kevin McNally, who has appeared in two previous Classic Who episodes. As a young man, and then again, probably 15 years later, and now this episode. Oh, that's nice how they're bringing him back. Was it the same character each time? No, different characters. That would have been cooler if yes, it was the same character. It would have been. <laughs> and he's conducting a lie detector test on Claire, the woman from Liverpool who encountered the doctor in Yaz. She definitely looks different because she's younger. <laughs> And she tells Jericho the current date is November 21st, 1967. Meanwhile, one man in Metterton receives a note saying, leave now. And we see the town searching for a little girl, Peggy. Claire claims she was born in 1935 after inadvertently telling Jericho her birthday was in 1985. He didn't really catch on to that, did he? <laughs> Suddenly, Claire succumbs to seizures and an inexplicable otherworldly force overtakes her. It tells Jericho there's no escape and the angel has the TARDIS. Okay, now this was really weird because it had that creepy voice. Yeah. But then with what we find out later, who the hell is actually talking then? Is it like some weird third party in there now? Not even just Claire and yeah, what we find out is the angel. It's like, is this a third person hanging out in there or what? It would not surprise me if it was another angel, not the the one that is in hiding. Nothing like confusing us to an extreme. Exactly. Then we see the Doctor Yaz and Dan in the TARDIS while a weeping angel seizes control. Thankfully, the Doc cleverly disposes of the angel with some quick thinking. <laughs> is this good? Uh, it could be very bad. Yeah, no kidding. It's like, uh, maybe. <laughs> <laughs> but the TARDIS lands in Metterton, and our time-traveling crew spots an older couple utilizing it like a phone box. <laughs> oh, like the real way they're supposed to use it. Yes. <laughs> and we learn that Peggy is missing, so Yaz and Dan assist with the search party efforts while the Doc uses her sonic screwdriver to survey the, their surroundings. Mrs. Hayward urges one man to count the gravestones in the local cemetery. Something is amiss. There's more than what they're supposed to be. When you have somebody so adamant about, I guess, like, get out and count the stones and do this, it's like, mm, you just want to write them off. But after seeing so many things with sci-fi, I'm thinking, maybe I need to leave. Right. <laughs> Later, Jericho gives Claire tea after that traumatic event, and the doc crashes the basement party. That is so British. Oh, yes. <laughs> Have she, a nice cuppa. You'll feel better. Yeah. She presents Jericho <laughs> with psychic paper listing her credentials while implementing her sonic screwdriver. That was hilarious. Oh, it was absolutely. almost <laughs> almost to the point of you will see that I am a certified adult or you know with Matt Smith. It's like, "Oh, that was just a step too far." And I love it. It's like you're from and I cannot remember what he says and she's like, "Oh, apparently." <laughs> Peculiar energy emits from Claire, and the doctor also recognizes her from Liverpool. And that just kind of went over everybody's head. Well, I caught it. It's like, okay, so she remembers her from future past, basically. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> now that's going to get confusing. And 
Claire remembers her, but also when she says, I haven't met you yet, that still is kind of sticking in the back of my head. Like, okay, wait, so when is the first time she's supposed to have met her? Right. I really think this is the first time, but she didn't react that way. So no, because that that doesn't make sense, though, because when she explains stuff later, she's like, after I met you. And then all this stuff happened, and then the angel. Right. So that's why, so when is the first, first time? Well, that could have been the angel in hiding, talking through Claire to the doctor. I didn't think of that. Interesting. Because of what that angel told her later on. (laughs) Yeah, you know what? That that does make some sense. Hmm. Uh, next, the doc spots Claire's sketches, including a TARDIS and a weeping angel, and our Time Lord throws them away. Yeah, okay, that's not going to do much. No. Obviously, <laughs> you've never seen that video of Take On Me by AHA. Yes. They still come out of the crumpled paper. Burn it! <laughs> While Claire's in the bathroom, she notices a pair of stone wings sprouting from her back. That freaked me out. Yes, <laughs> that would freak anybody out. After counting the gravestones, the man with whom... Mrs. Hayward was speaking, spots a weeping angel, uh, when he gets to 93 at least. Of course, he does not know not to blink, so he goes bye-bye. Why is it that it's like, oh, this doesn't look familiar, how did this get here? Let me get super close right, and stare at it. Although, like I said, in my regular life, I don't feel so safe about my chances when I poked something that I didn't know what it was up in my ceiling. <laughs> Yeah. Turned out to be a big old moth, but scared the crap out of me. So, you know what? With the weeping angels, my dumb butt would probably be like, well, what's this? And poke it and then (laughs) be shot back in time. And then out of nowhere, we go check on Belle, who arrives on Pusano to meet Namaka Ostparvis Poe, who encourages her to join him when she lands on the planet later. Okay, who did you think she was at this point? It sure wasn't the doctor, so I had no idea. The only person it could be was Azul. See, I was thinking maybe it's the doctor and maybe Belle isn't in the right timeline. So I was thinking it was like somehow going to tie into our first, like, Ruth, our first doctor. Right. Or possibly an angel. That's what I was thinking at this point. And I was like, oh, how are they going to tie all this together? I'm like, is, are the angels going to like shove them all back into different times? And that'd be so crazy. And it was so much worse than I thought. Right. But I do have a feeling that Bell and Vendor are going to play a large role in getting Yaz and Dan back to the present time. I think they're going to go find the TARDIS. I feel like that would make sense only because... Putting them in, it just seems so odd. It's like a whole nother storyline at this point. Oh, absolutely. That isn't is. connecting exactly. Right. Now, Bell asks Namika if he's seen Vendor, and she turns on a hologram. Unfortunately, he hasn't spotted Bell's love. And we go back to the doctor, who wanders around Jericho's house, finding broken glass during her surveillance. Jericho swings open the front door to find a bevy of weeping angels outside his home. (laughs) Holy cow, that was a lot of angels all of a sudden. (laughs) I still don't get the broken glass thing, though, everywhere with just random stones. Because they wouldn't have had to do that. I feel like that was something else, too. Huh. It was just strange. Yeah, you would think that they could just smash a window without... (laughs) Are they throwing pieces of themselves in there? (laughs) 
That I kind of doubt. But the doctor urges Jericho to lock everything securely and look for a TV. Okay, that will be interesting to see how that's used. Claire explains she wound up in 1967 after a weeping angel sent her back in time. And she hasn't left 1967 Middleton in two years. Why wouldn't you try to get out of there? Well, I mean... I feel like it was the same going. And yeah, I don't know. Well, where I guess you'd it's go. kind of harder. Back to the. <laughs> I kind of feel like the same though with the angels and Rory and Amy. It's right. like okay, yeah. if that moment's locked in time, go somewhere else. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, get out of that town. That's for sure. Right, but eh. suddenly the angels weasel their way inside Jericho's house because his back door doesn't lock too well. While Claire procures a clipping that features the cursed village, a.k.a. Metterton. According to the said clipping, people disappear on the night of November 21st, which happens to be the night they're at and the night the episode aired. Great. Yeah. <laughs> Have we just been cursed? And we see statue dust sprinkle out of Claire's eye. That now, this is the same thing happened to Amy, right? Yes. That's what I thought. I was like, okay, so we're pulling that thread to show that, okay, this happened, so there's something in her. Because I remember the whole thing with Amy and that it was getting closer in her eye. It's like, so I kept freaking out, like, is her hand going to turn to stone? It's like, what's going to happen? What did she look at? Obviously an angel, but it was like, oh my gosh. Okay, 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 Sean, calm down. They're just bringing things together and making it make sense. But then when she wipes off the dust, I'm like, oh my God, she knows something. And she's looking at the doctor like, I can't let her know. And I started to freak out. Like, what is she doing? Is right. she a double agent? What is it? And we check on Yaz and Dan. <laughs> and they have a nice little back and forth with uh, the general. <laughs> As Yaz is trying to use her 21st century police experience. And this guy's just not having any of it. Oh my gosh, that guy was such a jerk. Like, what do you need to know? The girl's 10. Right. She doesn't have a personality. It's like, mm. They don't have feelings, nothing. <laughs> really? Maybe this is why you don't get along with your grand niece, because yes, you're kind absolutely. of a grand jerk. <laughs> and of course, Dan spots a scarecrow that wasn't there before. Well, Dan, it's not a scarecrow. Sure as heck looked like a scarecrow until it didn't. Yeah, until it didn't. And unfortunately, their lights go out, which I think that's probably the first time I've seen an angel take out anything electric. Well, we've seen them blow out matches. True. And next thing, they're gone. And later on, they arrive in Metterton during the day, not at night, and the town is empty of people. That would be super creepy. Yes. And they hear a noise, so they go and investigated and it's a desolate house wherein there's a gramophone and you go oh they aren't anywhere near where they were <laughs> no or somebody just really likes antiques yeah yeah surmises that they're in early 1900 peggy shows up behind them revealing that everyone is gone she informs the pair that the angels are in 1901 Two, however, they promised to leave her alone. Yeah, I didn't believe that for a second. Her saying that, yeah, they, they want somebody to be able to tell the story. I can see them wanting that. <laughs> Peggy leads them to the town sign, warning Yaz and Dan not to venture beyond it. I don't think they had too much of a choice not to venture no, beyond. as you see, nothing but universe lingers past the signage. 
And Peggy notes it's a quantum extraction. So yeah, if that's happened to Metterton twice now, you would think somebody might want to get a little suspicious of the whole town just <laughs> disappearing. I don't know how much of a hole it would leave. But. Now that I'm like thinking about it, it's like I'm guessing they didn't have anybody from the town that was going to make a big invention or anything. No, apparently not. And, of course, we see Peggy's great uncle and great aunt wander past the Metterton sign in 1967, and they vanish into thin air after encountering an angel. Just would not listen to him. Oh, my gosh. Both of those two. Yeah. Just the bickering. It's like, oh, my gosh. And then we find out what the doctor was wanting the TV for as she is set it up in Jericho's basement with their sonic screwdriver and now we have a security camera <laughs> i was trying to figure out how she did that with all that junk that was in her pocket right <laughs> i'm like why is there like a mini ping pong paddle and what is this it's like string and apparently the doctor's pockets are way more yeah, interesting than mine <laughs> yeah <laughs> yeah but way more interesting overall too yeah are we going to have to start calling her Dr. MacGyver? <laughs> yeah, because that was something else. I'm like, what? What are you doing? Then we see Claire's weeping angel sketch reassemble itself and an angel materializes from it. You should know better, Doc. Right? That's what I said. Burn it. Burn yep. it. Thankfully, Fire. the Doc sets it ablaze, then douses it with water. Oh, I love it. Oh, I made that so much worse. Yes. <laughs> yes, Doc, you did. Claire lifts her sleeves, revealing her forearms are turning to stone like a weeping angel. The doctor believes Claire is a seer and the angel resides in her mind. And she needs to enter Claire's head to learn more. And she does just that. And we see Doctor out on the beach in Claire's mind with a rogue weeping angel looming behind her. The angel utilizes Claire as a conduit speaking through her. And according to the angel, they need the doctor's help. What you talking about, Willis? I was listening and I'm like, maybe. But then by the end, I'm like, oh, you piece yeah. of crap. <laughs> uh, the other angels pursue them because of their knowledge and they work as an extraction squad for the division. Who doesn't work for division? And you know how what? The this was starting to get around? to me. Yeah. I was like, how is everybody part of division? Yeah. And I want to know if they are actually Time Lords that they were supposed to be. Why the hell are they still existing when Gallifrey got wiped out? They must have <laughs> moved to another planet. Or the division is another red herring. <laughs> oh, my gosh. with the doctor. And all of us. Yeah. So this weeping angel has decided to hide in Claire's head using it as a sanctuary. And just about at the time we get some more information, we're back to Nemica as he takes Belle to where she meets them. This she is Azure and she appears alongside a passenger. And of course all the other folks cheer for Azure and Azure reveals there's a galaxy that's untouched by the flux. Yeah, inside yeah. the passenger. <laughs> I would say if you can call it that. Yeah. Everyone will need to board the passenger as a transportation system. However, Belle knows passenger is an endless prison. So she tries to save Namika while those around them vanish into the passenger. He sure didn't want to go, but she drug his ass. <laughs> and fortunately, they tripped at the same time and didn't get 
swallowed up. Yeah, and then when you have Azure just like, you can come next time. I'm like, oh my god, that's not creepy or anything. No, not at all. Oh yeah, apparently that planet is the only thing that's halfway survived the flux in the galaxy. So we go back to 1901 where Yaz, Dan, and Peggy notice the village closing in on them and another angel appears. Now, of course, Peggy's great aunt and uncle resurface and Peggy emphatically urges them to steer clear of the angel. Unfortunately, they get too close and the angel destroys them instantly. Yeah, again, that guy being a super jerk. Don't you tell me what to do. Yeah. Well, now look at you. Now you're dust, quite literally. Yes. Maybe if you weren't such a Joe jackass, you'd have survived. Yep. So we go back to Jericho's house. The TV emits static and the angels start banging on the doors. Surely they could just crush those 19, well, maybe not 1967. 1901, it'd be real easy. (laughs) Well, they didn't exactly have a whole lot of trouble back then, it looks like. Jericho hears a message from one of the angels, and they proceed to insult him. Boy, do they ever. (laughs) And suddenly, the angel lunges out of the TV. Oh my god, that creeped me out. It's a cool. Yeah. Because <laughs> as much as I... Jump scare of the, de- yes. of the episode, that's for sure. <laughs> as much as I'm like, oh, I totally want to put like a weeping angel on my phone, I'm like, no. No. <laughs> and then <laughs> when I go past statues, I'm serious, I'm like, hmm. I always have to side eye. I'm like, this is complete fiction, but still, hmm. Yeah. <laughs> Maybe I should watch just in case. And Jericho grabs a big piece of lumber and smashes it you go now wait a minute here i thought it was a cricket bat which i thought was kind of strange because i didn't think they really played cricket at least not in 67 i thought that was a newer thing i could be completely wrong no cricket's been around a long time oh okay then he spots the angels descending the staircase into the basement still using his creepy voice yes The doc asks Claire's angel what they know about division, but the angel wants our doc to protect them first. They'll allow Claire to live if the doc eradicates the other angels. Well, that's a pretty large task. Right. Claire's angel possesses knowledge of the doctor's stolen memories regarding the division. Well, let's just dangle that carrot out there. And after Claire and the doc resurface, Jericho reveals the angels gained access to the basement. Yeah, I love that. He's like, ow, what did you do? Oh, I threw a cup at you. Yeah. (laughs) Because I needed you to be like, hey, look around. We're in a bit of a bind. Doc mashes a wall to unveil a secret passageway leading outside, undoubtedly for a philanderer from ages past. (laughs) Doctor turns on the lie detector and places the helmets on two angels before escaping with Claire and Jericho. I thought that was pretty (laughs) sweet. I was hoping they'd just explode. Or at least make the lie detector explode. and Something. You just wanted something to blow up. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> now, this passageway was extremely creepy. Oh, my gosh, yes. arms and wings and everything in the sides of the wall. And you go, wait a minute here. <laughs> yeah, at first when you just seen, like, the carvings of some. And I'm like, okay, are we going to get, like, the little little angels like we have before? Right. And then when the arms start coming out, it's like, what the hell is this? Exactly. And later when we get the above shot, I was even more confused. <laughs> I'm like, is this like a ship of sorts or 
like a graveyard for them? What the hell was this? Exactly. The angels clamber through the walls, break the doors, and appear from all sides to entrap our heroes. Well, we cut away and go back to 1901, while Yaz, Dan, and Peggy notice what looks like a force field of sorts, separating 1901 Metterton from 1967 Metterton. Mrs. Hayward emerges, informing Peggy that she won't return to her present for a long time. Oh, it was kind of sad. I'm you, 66 years later. That was was sad. And then I'm like... I wonder if she never got close to little Peggy, like physically, because wouldn't that have been like a quantum event or something? Yes, absolutely it would have. It would have blown everything up. (laughs) So Clara slips past the angels back in the tunnel while Jericho inadvertently disappears, winding up in 1901 Metterton with Peggy, Yaz, and Dan. The stones in the burial ground behind Mrs. Hayward light up, and while all that transpires, We see the doctor surrounded by the angels. The doc turns her back on them, but they don't attack her. Say what? Yeah, and then when she turns back and she's like, she does that the long blink. I'm like, ugh, it was a stressful episode. (laughs) As she flees the scene, bewildered. Outside Jericho's house, the doc spots her friends on the other side. However, she can't cross the line into the past. Yaz tells the doctor about quantum extraction. And Doc explains that Metterton was isolated from its time. Yeah. Doctor tries to bargain with Claire's angel, urging them to turn themselves in and leave Claire and put Metterton back in its timeline. But unfortunately, the fugitive angel made a better deal. They're turning the doctor over to Division instead as she was more wanted than the fugitive. Well, of course. This is really confusing. Because we don't know everything about Division. No. And then when all of a sudden they're like, Doctor, you've been recalled. It's like, what? Yeah. (laughs) Like, I am so confused. And then, go ahead. Because this next moment, I'm like, what? Yeah. And out of nowhere, the Doc transforms into a weeping angel while the Division squad lingers around her. Yeah. Holy Uh, shit. Excuse me? (laughs) Now, I believe that was something somewhere part of my rant last week when my tinfoiliest hat happened, which I cannot for the life of me remember everything I said. (laughs) But it's like, okay, this is really confusing me because I thought the angels were the, not the bad guys, but the foes of old. If you remember going back to that, I think it was Tenet episode. Right. When we seen the two. And I know that's what I was going on about last week. And that's why I'm like, why is she turning into an angel? Did it possess her? Is that how they move her? It's what? Yeah, I think so. I think that was the only way to quantum lock her, to keep her from escaping. This is just so confusing, though. Yes, it is. And it's like, how the hell is the doctor going to get out of this mess? Oh, yeah, that's definitely a question. And then we jump back to Pisano as Vendor arrives and encounters Namika, asking if he saw Bell. Namika leads Vendor to a recording she left behind, and just as Bell's about to leave her coordinates for Vendor, the recording cuts off. Yeah, don't touch. That's like, really? Yeah. Really? So he can't go chasing after, he's just gonna have to sit there and wait, but he goes, I'll find you. <laughs> right. It's like, okay, sure you will. 
Yeah. You see any spacecrafts hanging around here? Eh, right. There might be some because people from all over the galaxy were coming to that planet to be saved. Ah, <laughs> uh, that's true because it was like the only thing that was left. Right. So our tidbits for this week. The Weeping Angels first appeared in one of the most highly regarded Doctor Who episodes of all time, Blink, in 2007. And that was an adaptation of a short story titled What I Did in My Christmas Holidays by Sally Sparrow that Stephen Moffat originally penned for the 2006 Doctor Who annual, which is still available online. What? Yeah, go dig that up and take a, a read. Oh my gosh. Probably take me down a different kind of rabbit hole. Yeah, more than likely. Because <laughs> I'm like, wait, Sally Sparrow? Yep. Uh, okay. It is the first time they have been titular monsters since the Angels Take Manhattan in 2011, although they have made several cameos since, including in Matt Smith's final episode, The Time of the Doctor in 2013. Now, who didn't yell out, she said the thing? When Doc said, reverse the polarity of the neutron flow, regarded as it is John Pertwee's definitive third Doctor catchphrase, even though he <laughs> only actually said it twice. <laughs> Not exactly a catchphrase at that point. Yeah. But, <laughs> but hey, I guess we stuck. take what we get. <laughs> yeah, it stuck with Pertwee. When Gerald asked who was in charge and Yaz said it was a very flat team structure, she wasn't just echoing the doctor's words, but also Graham, who in the 2018 The Witch Finders dealt with King James refusing to accept a woman could be in charge by saying it's a very flat team structure. We all have our area of expertise. Oh, I didn't even catch that. It was a throwback to Graham. Aww. Yep. And the people of the village disappeared on 21 November 1967. If they had landed the TARDIS three days earlier, they could all all sat down and watched the now lost second episode of Patrick Troughton's story, The Ice Warriors, which was broadcast on 18 November 67. You know what? That would have been cool if they dropped it on that day. If they would have dropped it on that day. And right. it's like, everybody disappears. It's like, hmm, timey-wimey indeed. Yes. <laughs> That's a cool little tidbit, though. I thought so. <laughs> Well, you know how we feel about this episode. We want to know how you feel. Shoot us an email or an audio clip, however you want to, to contact us at fangirlzone.com. And while you're on the interweb searching all the different Doctor Who rabbit holes that are out there, why don't you rate and review us on iTunes and every other platform you find us on? Because good ratings and reviews help other fans of the show find us. Tell your friends about Doctor Who. Come on, I know you do anyway. And you can tell them about the pod doctors while you're at it. We, of course, hope you're enjoying the podcast. And we also ask that you check out www.fangirlzone.com and our contacts page because that's all the ways you can get a hold of us because we are everywhere. We're like American Express. <laughs> and for this episode of The Pod Doctors, I'm Steve. Division uses everything and everyone, every species, every world, every moment. They are everywhere, present and unseen. I'm Sean Fangirl S. And until next time. There is nothing wrong with your internet. Do not attempt to adjust your settings. We are controlling the podcast. We control the squealing and the screams. We can make your heart flutter, your eyes blur from tears, or sharpen your mind to crystal clarity. 
For the next hour, sit back. We are in control of what you hear. We repeat, there is nothing wrong with your settings. You are about to experience the awe and mystery known as the female mind. You are now entering the Fangirl Zone. 